0: Alright, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of Bruce Lee biopics, lots of telescopic long poles, Ford Fiestas, and Dre got fired. Let's get to it! And every day, I practice martial What's up? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yo, Mikey, how you doing, man? I'm good, Seagong. How are you doing? Good. So uh I guess we have to we have to discuss the big elephant in the room. So uh do you think Dre is gonna make a statement about what happened? I mean, he should. Yeah. But it's kind well, of embarrassing. But I he's, he's I gotta do something if, about it.
0: Honestly, I'm not sure if he should show his face around here after mm. you know what he did.
1: Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, right? What do you how do you come back from something like that?
0: I honestly don't know. Yeah. Like, ugh, the way people look at him when he when he left. Yeah. It was not cool. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Totally, totally. So anyway, you're here now. You're not the new Dre. You are the first and one and only Mikey Dean.
0: Well, thanks very much. Um, and I appreciate you, uh, um, you know, promoting me. I feel like I've done done my due diligence. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know? Well, it's a bit of a risk because American audiences don't like your accent. Uh, ah. we, we did a lot of market research on that. And it doesn't...
0: <laughs> a few focus groups.
1: Yeah, a few focus groups. And it doesn't, you know, a lot of Americans have a hard time understanding your accent. Luckily, we have a lot of... Uh, listeners from other countries, so they can probably barely stand it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, for our our American audience might suffer a little bit because they really have a hard time understanding the words coming out of your mouth.
0: Well, I mean, look, I will do my very best to slightly americanized what i'm doing for you know your perfect rp uh, Well, you know if you if you'd like my perfect rp we'll we'll do the whole audi- uh, uh, the, the whole episode like this shall we well hello uh, my name's mikey and um i am going to discuss wing chun today wow
1: wow yeah no no i think that's far too sophisticated for our audience <laughs> so anyway uh here we are we're going to do another ask me anything episode Uh, Now with my new co-host, Mikey Dean in the house. Hey, hey, hey. And so, uh, but before we get started, just wanted to talk real quick about our uh, Patreon page. Um, So Patreon's the easiest way for people to support us, uh, you know, for listeners of the podcast. Um, You get episodes early. So usually the episodes come out on a Monday on both like audio version and obviously on YouTube, but they usually are released on around Friday or Saturday for our Patreons. On top of that, our Patreons get uh, my awesome uh, Instagram only, fan- sorry, Instagram subscriber only content.
0: <laughs> yeah, OnlyFans is coming later in 2023.
1: That's right. Uh, you're already working on that. We already uh, shot the first photo shoot for that. So uh, uh, no. So I have uh, on Instagram for about five bucks a month. You can uh, subscribe, and then I do like weekly tips on Wing Chun, and sometimes it's more theoretical. Sometimes I show an exercise or a basic or whatever. And uh, I decided for all of those who support us on Patreon because. Patreon starts at five bucks. By the way, that's how you know we're in New York. Listen to that siren right there. Yeah, they're coming for me. There you go. Listen.
0: <laughs> Actually, they're coming for Dre. They're coming for Dre. Left. Yeah, I
1: can imagine. Yeah, he's not here right now. He's, he's in hiding somewhere. Mm hmm. There you go. Listen to that. That's how you know it's New York. That's how you know we can't fake it. Yeah,
0: right? absolutely. Yeah, no, this is a. Uh... This is, um, we used
1: to not have this problem when we had the uh, sound studio. Oh and God, now here we are in the middle 100%. of the school <laughs> recording this. i got
0: to uh, find you... a workaround for that. I swear Absol-
1: to God. Absolutely. So, uh, so anyway, so if you want to support us on Patreon, you can support us for as little as five bucks a month. Uh, the link is in the description below. And uh, you also get my awesome Instagram subscriber-only content if you're on Patreon. So you don't have to subscribe both on Instagram and Patreon. Patreon, you get kind of uh, all the bang for your bucks. So, and it uh,
0: is awesome. And he's not paying me to say that it actually is awesome
1: yeah it is pretty awesome we we uh, the students here at City Wing Chun also get it um, we you know obviously we, we give it to them as well and they they really like it so uh, anyway so what do you have for me sir
0: questions all, all right. right well um, we got Patreon right at the top as That's always right.
1: yeah um, Patreons get uh, uh, first dibs on questions for,
0: so yep here we go Lee Holmes one of your
1: boys from the uk
0: yeah it's very very uk name right so here we go
1: he's also one of the guys who uh was a finalist for the design of the uh, new kfg t-shirt oh Um, really yeah which is we 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 settled on the new kfg logo as a t-shirt but he did an awesome design uh which looked like an old 70s retro movie poster as if Uh, so i I still want to do something with that design maybe we make that our next t-shirt um, I really, I really like it though. So anyway, he's a, he's a fantastic artist, uh, Hong, Kong, Hong Kong film enthusiast as well.
0: Fantastic. All right, well, here we go. So um, Lee Holmes, I'm a new Patreon from the UK. Such a bonus to get to watch episodes early and the extra content.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't even realize he wrote that. It was like, that sounds so self-serving after I just pitched <laughs> Patreon. And it's like, oh, here's one of our Patreon supporters talking about how awesome Patreon is. <laughs> oh no! Right?
0: Un- unlike a Dryson question, it is actually right here. Yeah, I yeah, suspect so.
1: you're actually going to read the stuff that's in front of you. not like that other hack.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. yeah. just going to put his shoes outside and be like, out. That's Sorry, right. just losing it there. Should not <laughs> get too big on my boots. It's my first time. That's anyway, right. Anyway, <laughs> um, possible question for a future podcast. I really love your other books. I noticed how you have the Buji book in the works. I was just wondering how the Wing Chun 101 book is coming along. Mm-hmm also, will you be writing another book on chi sao that goes beyond the fundamentals? Maybe covering the Wing Chun qi sao sections, etc Also, not sure if this is something that can be answered over a podcast But maybe is one of your future chip future tip videos on Instagram mm-hmm. What would you recommend to help footwork in Wing Chun? One problem? I have is my lead foot is const- lead foot constantly wants to point forward instead of an angle when stepping forward?
1: Mm-hmm. Great, uh, those are great questions. So the first one I think is about my Wing Chun 101 book, right? So yeah. uh, I have a companion book series and the companion book series started off as books on the forms. So I wrote Siunam Tao, I wrote Q, and the latest one is The Wooden Dummy, which was sold out by the way, but we have more coming in finally. Fantastic. Um, and then I'm currently working on Biuji um, right now. Um, but the first book in the series, I kind of wrote them out of order. That's what always kind of screws people up, right? <laughs> the Siunam Tao book is companion book two, right? Um, and then people are like, where's, where's Wing Chun 101 companion book one? I haven't written it yet. So it's a little bit like Star Wars. I was
0: gonna they're, say, like the Godfather.
1: Yeah, they're gonna come out out of order, except I promise the prequels won't suck. Um, so, uh,
0: <laughs> controversial.
1: so, uh, you know, we have my Siunam Tao book, Q and Wooden Dummies, the thickest so far. Um, The PUG I'm working on right now. And then Wing Chun 101 is technically book one. That's the last one I'm going to do of the series. So um, I've been compiling it for a while, but I'm not actually actively working on Wing Chun 101 right now. Wing Chun 101 is going to be the kind of book where it's like, if you don't know anything about Wing Chun and you want to know, okay, what is Wing Chun about? Then you read Wing Chun 101. It's going to be an overview of the whole system. It's not just our Wing Chun 101 program, which is for beginners. It's going to be an overview of the whole system. So uh, for people who are new to Wing Chun, they get kind of an idea a little bit about the history, a little bit about the forms, the training method, how does Wing Chun work, what does Wing Chun do, what does Wing Chun not do, all that kind of stuff. And then for people who've been doing it for a while, there's going to be a lot. It's like I like to write books that are... um, uh, different depending on who's reading it, right? right? So someone who's totally new to Wing Chun will get like this great overview in the Wing Chun system. For people who've been doing it for a while, they're gonna get maybe, they're gonna see different things in there, different gems, context, history, stuff like that. So uh, the Wing Chun 101, I dare say, might even be thicker than the Wooden Dummy book. So Ooh. like my, my companion book series is gonna be basically bookended by two thick books. Wing Chun 101 and then the Wooden Dummy book being like this thick, and then the other forms books being a little bit, um, smaller. So, uh, the Wing Chun 101 is going to be, uh, it's a huge work because there's yeah. going to be like a comprehensive glossary in there. There's going to be a lot of stuff in there and it's connected because if you've read any of my companion books, I reference other books in there. So I've connected it. So I've built it like a, like a big storyboard, right? Yeah, so, so they, they will all come together, but it, it's a bit of work. The BUG one will definitely be out by next year. Wing Chun 101, I don't know. Um, and then, uh, what, uh, he asked another question after, um, After that Wing Chun 101.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's about, uh, what's it, something else that can be answered over a podcast. It's about the lead leg. All right, the lead leg. Yeah, that's a little bit difficult. So, um,
1: first of all, in the Wing Chun stance, now, of course, obviously, different lineages of Wing Chun have different takes on it. You know, some stand with all their weight on the back leg, some are 60 40, 50 50, whatever. They're like a few different takes on it depending on particular lineage, and of course if you're part of whatever lineage you have to defend these things to the death. But one thing that most of all of the Wing Chun styles have in common is the front foot needs to be turned in. And the front foot is turned in uh, for a couple reasons. There's a historical reason why we do it, and then there's like a practical and functional, uh, or group of practical and functional reasons why we do it. Because we have a narrow stance, what we call chak ma, uh, this, this kind of narrow stance is meant to step into the opponent's stance. So you're kind of stepping into their stance so you can unbalance them, you can prevent them from kicking. We're not standing in front of our opponent slapping with a bunch of hands, we're, we're stepping inside. So as we go in, we want that front foot turned in because that gives us better protection of our groin. It gives us the ability to kind of turn that knee in if someone tries to kick us and so on and so forth. So there is a protective function. Also, because when we step, whether you pull from the front leg or push from the rear, you want as much surface area on the ground to pull yourself forward. So if, you, if your front foot is straight, it's kind of difficult to really grab the ground and pull yourself forward. If you turn it sideways, it makes the foot wider and gives you more kind of lateral distance to kind of grab and pull yourself forward. So that's part of the functional aspect of why we have the front foot turned in from a historical perspective. Um nearly every single southern Chinese martial art, maybe with the exception of uh, Ga Mantis, um, which oddly enough has a pointed sh- uh, front foot mm-hmm. and a, a turned in rear foot, um, I would say 90% of the southern martial arts styles have the front foot turned in, even in Hongkun when you have like a front stance. The front stance the foot is turned in and that is actually a stamp of a southern style if the front foot is pointing forward like straight ahead that's usually like for example you're in a classic front stance right not talking about a Wing Chun stance like a front stance if the front foot is pointing forward generally that's a sign of a northern style if the front foot is turned in That's generally a sign of a Southern style, all right? Although there are obviously exceptions on on both ends of that, both for Northern and Southern. So that's the reason for it. And uh, so you have a historical reason why the front foot is turned in, a functional reason, mainly about protection and jamming into your opponent's stance, uh, which means that uh, if you're going to adhere to these one of these two reasons, whether you do it for historical reasons or functional reasons, I would suggest you do it for functional reasons. Um, it requires practice, all right? So you're going to have to practice your footwork very conscientiously to turn that front foot in, uh, whatever you need to do to be able to do it. Footwork training should also be done slowly and, and um, pardon the pun, step by step. Uh, so you, you, you do it in front of the mirror slowly. People are usually too impatient and want to do everything kind of quickly. So just... Stop, go in your stance with the front foot turned in, take your steps every time, pay attention that that's what you're doing. We have a something we call the footwork progression here at City Wing Chun, which we teach to beginners. It's like an eight step pattern, which kind of builds from the most basic step to the more advanced steps. And all of these things are built in. So it's it's just a matter of being aware of it and so on and so forth. So maybe, um, yeah, maybe at some point I'll show some of this stuff on my um, Instagram only fans. Yeah. So <laughs> great, uh, great question. Uh, awesome so, so yeah. i had
0: an idea for some more kfg merch when okay. you're talking about bookends yes. right? and you'd be a bookend with a wooden dummy yeah why not get just two small bookend wooden dummies like just like oh, oh as bookends as bookends
1: yeah i well, mean like they them. make little miniature wooden dummies the yeah, lone tin company uh used to make them mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if they still make them and other companies made them as well uh yeah it'd be interesting to kind of make it as a uh as a bookend, right? So you have that classic L shape of a bookend, but like with a wooden dummy in there. Yeah. That'd yeah, be absolutely. Cool. Make,
0: make sure they're KFG like certified though somehow.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, we yeah, could do so. something like that. Yeah. 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 I'll go, I'll, I'll talk to my connections and, in- in China and Pakistan. Not
0: not in time for this Christmas, but. Not
1: in time for this Christmas. The only thing we have in time for this Christmas are the KFG (laughs) t-shirts, which are uh, in a link in the description below. We have those available. All right, cool. What else you got for me, man? Hey everyone, just want to let you know, Wing Chun Illustrated is now offering a paperback edition through Amazon, reaching a larger global market. And no, they're not ditching the glossy magazine edition through MagCloud. You can now simply choose the version of this magazine you prefer, and the one with the cheapest shipping wherever you live. Order your copy of Wing Chun Today across twelve Amazon marketplaces with free shipping for Prime members. Go and check that out.
0: Okay, cool. All right. So, um, Angela Melville. Oh, this one starts in all caps. So exciting. Oh, here we go. All right. Please, KFG, take care of this <clears throat> channel. Mm-hmm. Bruce Lee real fight. There you will learn amazing. Actually, that was in all caps, but I figured you know, air yeah. quotes, would, air do quotes it too. would do it good Stuff in parenthesis, sarcasm here, brackets for those yeah. who don't know what that is. Um, or parenthesis. Parenthesis, Oh, right. Sorry, apparently I can't Parenthesis, all right. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> like this. Tire is
1: spelled with an I.
0: Okay, if, continue, oh my, continue, God, continue, oh go God. ahead. All uh-huh. right, like this one. Max Lee was a fighting director for Fist of Fury. In the 1972 Fist of Fury, he played the Japanese guy who was beaten up by Bruce Lee at the dojo fight scene and forced to eat the sick man of Asia paper, which Bruce Lee tore. Mm-hmm. In other words, the shorty guy who ate paper was the fighting choreographer, not Bruce or Low Wei. So nice.
1: Right. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, uh, w- this has been mentioned before. Um, there is someone who's given Beardy a run for his money on the Bruce Lee bullshit scene.
0: Uh, And that is
1: this uh, Bruce Lee Real Fight channel. I talked about it, I think, a couple episodes ago. So the uh, Bruce Lee Real Fight channel, I've I've watched a couple of... So I've I've seen a couple of those videos, which is a couple more than Beardy videos I've watched. Because if you ever all the beardy videos I've ever actually watched, I've watched online with Dre next to me. So you yes. can actually see it. I, mm-hmm. I um, it, his channel is uh, one of those that it's, a, a, I put my YouTube uh, to not recommend that channel to me. So I very specifically don't get beardy videos oh, shown on my give feed. You a
0: fit if you actually got that coming into your feed. No, night. it
1: wouldn't give me a fit. It's just that I, I, I don't want to waste my time with just unimportant stuff. I kind of, when it comes to the beardy shit, I'll like, I'll wait until the fans are like, yo, this video here, do something about it. Right. <laughs> but otherwise I'm not going to like allow that stuff to kind of, say this is some <laughs> weird European guy making shit up about himself and Bruce Lee. I mean, like, come on, this is, this is kindergarten shit. Mm-hmm. The, there's another channel called the Bruce Lee Real Fight channel, which is another one that has tons of subscribers, has some videos with multi-million views. And he's a little bit more knowledgeable than Beardy, which is not saying much.
0: i say, has um, a pretty low bar. It's isn't a pretty it? low
1: bar. Uh, well, I should say this. Um, he at least kind of tries to give some accurate information while. Uh, pushing, um, you know, uh, the narrative that his channel is the one that's talking about all of Bruce Lee's real fights. As if now, somehow, 50 (laughs) years later, Bruce Lee keeps having more and more fights we didn't know about, right? Uh It's like at some point, you're going to have to make shit up because, uh, man, even if you did... I mean, look, 50 years from now, if someone did the Anderson Silva real fight channel... Yeah, at some point you've talked about all of Anderson Silva's fights. So, what are you going to keep talking about, right? <laughs> uh, so, y- y- you know, so the, the problem is it's only a finite number of things you can talk about uh, on this topic. And uh, I can tell from the couple videos that I watch, I believe whoever does the Bruce Lee Real Fight channel, he, I believe he's Chinese, but he's a Mandarin speaker. He's not a Cantonese speaker. Um, and. Uh, which is always a little bit sus, because if you're actually listening to any of Bruce's stuff, like his own recordings, it's all Cantonese. So what is a Mandarin speaker going to do with that? Um, and he always, like, uses the Mandarin pronunciations of all of Bruce Lee's movies and stuff like that, which is, like, you know. I, I couldn't love my,
0: really speak Mandarin. No, he couldn't could speak he.
1: Mandarin at all. He even said that in the Pierre Burton interview, he goes, uh, uh, he, he when he said Tai Chi, because... Uh, Tai Chi is Mandarin, right? And he says Tai Chi Chuan But Chuan is actually He pronounced it very poorly And he goes um, speaking Mandarin right there. In Cantonese, Tai Get Kun, right? Cause uh, Tai Chi in Cantonese is Tai Get Kun, right? And Tai Chi Quan is Mandarin, right? But he pronounces it like very poorly in Mandarin. And at the very beginning of the episode, he goes, first of all, I only speak Cantonese, right? So he was like very proud of that. Like he said that to Pierre Burton, like, first of all, I only speak Cantonese. And that was in 71, 70, I think it was 72, that interview. So I don't think that Bruce Lee suddenly learned how to speak Mandarin in his last year. Although, in one of his interviews, he claimed that he was learning or starting to speak a little bit of Mandarin. Oddly enough, it was around the time he's dating Betty Ting Pei. (laughs) Now, um, Betty Ting Pei is from Taiwan, so she was a Mandarin speaker, but she was making films in Hong Kong, which meant she also needed... Well, she didn't have to, because a lot of Mandarin-speaking actors uh, only spoke Mandarin. Those films were shot without sound anyway, as a matter of fact, uh, even in some of Bruce Lee's films, like *Teen Fong, like some of his co-stars, they were actually Mandarin speakers. And that shot, those films were shot without sound, but they actually spoke the lines. So you have to imagine, like, when Bruce shot, for example, Fist of Fury... Uh, when he's actually shooting it, he's speaking Cantonese to an actor who's responding back to him in Mandarin. And all of this is dubbed anyway in post. <laughs> so so when they're actually shooting it, sometimes the actors are not even speaking the same dialect. You can even see this with the uh, five Venoms, um, with the famous Venom actors in the in the Chang Che films, right? A number of the Venom actors like Guo uh, Choi and... Uh, um, well, Sun I think, was even Korean. They, weren't, they were not Cantonese speakers. And so when you see the dubs of these things in Cantonese, like of some of the Shaw Brothers movies, like from Chang Che, you can tell that, like, Lo Mong is speaking Cantonese because he's, he's from Hong Kong. And so, like, when it's dubbed in Cantonese, you can see, like, Lo Mong's lines are similar to what he's mouthing because it's someone else doing the Cantonese, but Lo Mong shot in Cantonese. But then he's talking to some guy, and he's totally off, and it's because that actor speaks Mandarin. Mm-hmm. so um it's it's kind of interesting um I saw an interview um uh, there's a great channel it's unfortunately I don't know why people don't watch it more it's here on YouTube it's called sifu subtitles
0: oh yeah I follow that Sifu subtitles I- is
1: great he takes um film clips he takes interviews he does wing Chun stuff uh anything that's like in Cantonese or even sometimes in Mandarin and he'll put subtitles on it so you can see interviews with, Wang Son Leung or Chan or stuff like this. He had one video and not that many people subscribed. to. It's really fascinating. So Sifu subtitles, you guys should subscribe to. He's got Absolutely. really cool stuff it's there. Really good. Even has a Sifu David Peterson interview. so a bunch of stuff, really cool stuff. Um, and he had a bunch of interviews that were shot with various actors shortly after Bruce Lee passed away. And one of them was with Betty Ting Pei. And uh, it was shortly after Bruce had passed. And I heard her speak Cantonese. Which was interesting because she's Taiwanese, right? And when she spoke Cantonese, and mind you, this is at the time of Bruce Lee's passing, she's liberally mixing Mandarin and Cantonese. So, in other words, her Cantonese is kind of poor. Whenever she doesn't know a word in Cantonese, she'll literally just revert to Mandarin. So, her, like, her, it's like she's speaking this kind of word salad of Mandarin and Cantonese. And I can imagine, like, this, yeah, it's like Spanglish people here, right? Like, I had a Cuban cousin who came here from. Uh, you know, after he had basically escaped Cuba and he came to New York and he was lost in New York and he was, he talked to some Puerto Rican guy and the Puerto Rican guy was speaking like straight Spanglish. Mm-hmm. And my cousin was like, can you just speak English to me? Cause he couldn't understand the Spanglish and his English was so poor, but like he was like, just, just a speaker, uh, 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 English to me. Right. Like he couldn't understand the guy's Spanish cause it was Spanglish like that's how bad it was. Right. So, uh. So when I heard Betty speak this like crazy Mandarin Canto mix, I'm like, wow, that's what Bruce Lee had to deal with. Because I don't think she spoke English. And so he like literally spoke to her in this kind of like pidgin Mandarin Cantonese. Right. So but now when Betty speaks Cantonese, like if you see a more contemporary interview with her, like her, she's been in Hong Kong for a very long time. Her Cantonese is pretty legit now. But when you hear it back then, you were like, oh. So Bruce had to like kind of maybe he did have to figure out some Mandarin
0: That's stuff. So, about oh, it, right? or may, maybe he just wasn't really interested enough for the conversation. Yeah, so, so there's also that too.
1: He's not really he's not having <laughs> deep conversations about the 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 Tao. No, no. I mean, whether yeah, in Mandarin or Cantonese, something's right? going deep, but it ain't right. a conversation. Jesus Christ! All right. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you?
0: All
1: right. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so. so um, so anyway, uh, the Bruce Lee Real Fight Channel, he um, he amplifies some stories that have a seed of truth, and he amplifies them with a speaker of bullshit, right. a speaker made out of bullshit. He takes <laughs> something kind of real-ish, mm-hmm. and then just amplifies it through a, a straight-up bullshit filter, um, meaning what comes out is bullshit. Right. Um, and uh, he's another one of these guys like Beardy. Um, he's anonymous. He doesn't show himself, yeah. which is fine. Sometimes it is about the content. It's not all about the the personality, right? Like this podcast. Um, <laughs> so like I get it, but it's also kind of one of these things when people – who do documentary-style YouTube channels where they, you know, we'll talk about a topic for a 10 to 20-minute video where it's almost documentary-style, like, let me tell you about this story, the background, the history, show photos, blah, 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 blah. And they don't show themselves or they don't make who they are known. Like, even if it's not front and center in the video, it's like, the Bruce Lee Real Fight channel is, uh, you know, run by so-and-so. Here's the name, here's, you know who he is, right? Yeah. You always have to be a little bit suspicious of these people who just cannot say who they are. Oh yeah. Beardy having a totally fake real, uh, like he, you know, he's Bernard McAllister is like his yeah. fake real name. Right. It's like when I was a fake rapper, my real name, my fake real name was Luke warm. And, uh, <laughs> and that's Bernard McAllister for Beardy. Right. Uh, and, uh, uh, this guy just doesn't have anything, right? So it's already, like, a little sus. Like, why are you a Bruce Lee expert? Who are you? Did you write books on Bruce Lee? Have you written articles about Bruce Lee? Are you a Wing jump practitioner? Like, why should anyone listen to you? No, he's Bruce Lee Real Fight Channel, all right? Right. And uh he makes shit up. So he's actually, a couple of videos I've seen were, like, uh, like Stephen Colbert that were kind of, like, bordering on truthiness. yeah. And uh, uh, other videos were straight bullshit. Like, there was one with Carter Wong from Big Trouble in Little China. Mm -hmm. And there was, like, a story where, you know, Bruce Lee had gone to the set of, I believe it was Hopkido, a film that Carter Wong is in. And uh, he just kind of showed Carter Wong some techniques or whatever. And it was, like, a very friendly thing. And then it was, like, oh, this actor, meaning Carter Wong, challenged Bruce Lee and this happened. You know how those, like, headlines are, like, you know, this Uh, this stuntman challenged Bruce Lee and this is what happened. See, if I only started doing videos like that, this channel would blow up because that's like literally every viral video, right? Yeah,
0: but how would you
1: sleep at night? What happened when Steven Seagal and Bruce Lee fought? And then you do a video about how they never met, right? But like, you have to have that title. It's like, yeah, it's a little little (laughs) soul crushing. You have to kind of be a a bit of a scumbag to make a, a, a name for yourself or you have to wear a suit and tie and then... Put your head in there while you just like demean other people's Wing Chun. Like there's just a couple finite number of ways where you can like really monetize Wing Chun, and most of them require you to be kind of an asshole. But,
0: but you know, it's like I mean, I guess as you say, there's like truthiness to these guys. I kind of I haven't checked. I mean, I haven't checked it out yet because yeah, like, I just. But he yeah.
1: has a lot of erroneous information. Like and 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 straight up manipulation. Like he put a uh, on the Carter Wong video. He put a uh, a clip of Carter Wong like doing someone else's podcast or doing someone else's video. And Carter Wong is speaking Chinese and the Bruce Lee real fight guy just overdubs him. Yeah. Oh, and he's like, when I fought Bruce Lee, uh, I tried to punch him and he just makes up this story. And it's like, no, bro, you should put, leave the original audio in and put subtitles so that people who actually speak Chinese can make up their mind as to what he said. He literally just overdubs it. So he is also a liar. And he'll say stuff like Max Lee, who was just like, like, uh, like was mentioned here, this guy who was just kind of a a side character in Fist of Fury. Like that guy was the fight choreographer. And first of all, this isn't remotely true. Um, Fist of Fury being Bruce Lee's second film. Um, Bruce Lee was not the official fight choreographer. I've talked about this before. It was still Hong Ying Geet, who was the the. The fight choreographer Bruce's first film, Big Boss, and Han Ying Geet was also the guy who played the Big Boss. Yeah, so that actor who Bruce Lee fights at the end, that guy was also the choreographer. But uh, uh Mr. Han liked um more traditional choreography, and by the time the second film came around, you know, because because uh, Big Boss was such a hit, basically Raymond Chow just said, Okay, Bruce can do all the fight <laughs> scenes, like you know, it's like he's pr- proven himself that he can do it, right? But because uh, Mr. Han was still the uh official contract choreographer for Golden Harvest. He was still listed as the fight choreographer, I think maybe uh, as a co-credit with Bruce Lee or maybe just him, I don't remember. It's been a while since I looked. And uh, for him to save face, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, they let him choreograph one fight scene in Fists of Fury. And it's the one fight scene Bruce Lee is not in. It's the fight scene where at the Jingwu Academy, the Japanese come. And when you see the choreography in that fight scene, it's very kind of stilted, staccato, like very kind of chop, 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 chop. And yeah, that's the one fight scene that Bruce Lee did not do in that film. So anyway, so to say Max Lee was like the fight choreo. This this guy just doesn't know his facts. And he makes stuff up. And again, because he doesn't show his face, he doesn't show his real name, the Bruce Lee fight channel, like Beardy, um, they escape accountability. And they've highly monetized channels, making... Tons, tons, tons. Of, I mean, what I make here on YouTube does not even satisfy a percentage of minimum wage when you put in the number of hours <laughs> that, that that we put in for this, and like what I get monthly from YouTube. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pittance. But even bigger channels like Viking Samurai. Um, he he posted something recently. A, he somebody talked shit about Viking Samurai in one of my comments, and then he clapped back. And then he also, and Viking Samurai is a way bigger channel than ours. I think he's like getting close to 100,000 subscribers. And even he said, yeah, the amount of time I put in making videos, I don't even make minimum wage. Yeah. Um, so when you get to like Beardy and Bruce Lee real fight levels, in terms of the viewership, those guys could, depending on where they live, kind of be a little comfortable off of what they're making off of YouTube. And these guys are straight up bullshit artists. I mean, they're just making shit up about Bruce Lee.
0: But you know, the funny thing is I find like, I mean, being the armchair psychologist that I am, but, like, with Beardy, it's always just struck me that he's, like, I'm waiting for the moment that, like, it's all building up to the point where he says that he met Bruce Lee in a dream, right? Right. You know what I mean? Like, because everything is about him. Him,
1: it's about him, yeah.
0: You know, like, and I think, like, it's like that Walter Mitty idea, isn't it? Like, it's like he's, he places himself in the The story. story. Yeah, Like yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. You're you're absolutely right. Right, but Um, with
0: this other guy, I'm kind of like, I don't see what his. I mean, maybe just maybe he's just a scumbag and he likes making money. No, it's, like I clickbait. think it's just
1: making money. Yeah. So he, a uh, uh, Bruce Lee Real Fight Channel, very clearly just seems to be optimized for clickbait in terms of like the titles, the thumbnails, and the content. And uh, I think also because he has a Chinese accent, that for a certain market lends credibility yeah. to him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he is definitely not as. Well, it's simple to say because I, I find him equally as malicious in terms of like. Because I'm a Bruce Lee fan, and like, it, I just find it kind of offensive when people who don't know shit about Bruce Lee can make up pr- shit about Bruce Lee and yeah. then monetize the hell out of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, including the Lee Estate.
0: Yeah. Ooh.
1: Um, and uh, ooh, sorry. All right, we'll <laughs> Contra- get to show. we'll get to that in a moment. Um, <laughs> and uh, but at least the Bruce Lee Real Fight Channel, which is like this is the closest thing I can give to a compliment to him at least he doesn't make it about himself. He just bullshits stories about Bruce Lee, bullshits stories about fighting and this and that and facts and, and manipulates shit. But Beardy makes it about himself, like, oh, the medical community contacted me and like, oh, my insider information sent me this and I'm the number one expert on Bruce Lee and that's why I'm the one with exclusives. Dude, I heard that he posted the ping pong video. With the nunchucks, which was a Nokia commercial in the 2000s, in the aughts. Mm -hmm. And then he said, like, that this was, like, legit.
0: Yeah, I I I heard that as well. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I I, I almost fell on the floor laughing. Not least because, uh, you know, at least we've known people that have actually asked us legitimately if it was real. And it's very clearly not.
1: No, I mean, this is the problem because um, for... um, for a younger generation of people who didn't grow up on Bruce Lee stuff, they see that. And they don't know because it's shot in black and white and, and the actor is wearing like the yellow tracksuit from Game of Death. People don't know like, oh, is this, does this have something to do with that? Is this outtakes or whatever? And like, no, it was actually a Nokia commercial from 2008, 2009, yeah, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very clearly done with the same CGI as like Forrest Gump's ping pong scene, right? <laughs> um and uh, for old school fans that we've, we know about what footage exists of Bruce Lee, when we saw that, we're like, oh, this is kind of fun. They, they made this like fake Bruce Lee clip, you know. But for a younger generation, that just kind of their only exposure to Bruce Lee has been what's been on the Internet. It's understandable why they look at that and they, you know, because it's shot like it's kind of old. And they're like, well, is, is that a real thing or what like what is that? Right. Um, so I can kind of forgive that a little bit also like the number of people who've come into City Wing Chun and then asked me like, oh, did Yip Man really beat up 10 black belts? Right? Yeah. So again, this is the problem of like, now we are at a period where a lot of people who might be fans of Bruce Lee or discovering Bruce Lee are people who are even much younger than ourselves. And, uh, are more susceptible to the stuff they've seen online because they don't know what existed before the internet, like what was actually out there in terms of what did Bruce Lee actually film.
0: Well, that's the thing. It's like when you're finding stuff out by yourself on the internet, which is also, I mean, you know, it's a wealth of information and misinformation. Yes, right? yes. But we all found it out from either like older brothers, right? You know, or, 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 you know, like music from older brothers rather than discovering stuff. You know what I mean? It's like kind of like I was watching Bruce Lee when I was younger because... You know, my dad was low-key into that kind of right, stuff. Right. I actually only found out, I guess, about five years before he died that he actually was really massively into Jackie Chan, and I had no idea. Right. Because right. if I had, then we would have watched tons more, like, sure. kung fu movies together, sure, right? Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you know, I get it. It makes, if you don't have someone to be like, nah, this this is it's not real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like then,
1: and you have to tell people. And the funny thing is because people who... Um, you know, there, there's this thing called the primacy effect, which is like the first thing you see of something usually sticks out in your minds about that specific topic more than anything else that comes after it. Right. Yeah. So the problem is when for some people, their first exposure to like Bruce Lee's amazingness may have been that Nokia commercial. And then when you tell them like, oh no, that's fake. That's not even the real Bruce Lee. The issue they have is because of the primacy effect. Now their illusion and image of Bruce Lee is somewhat shattered because that's the first thing that they they saw. Yeah. As opposed to like, no, no, you poor thing. You, you should have seen Enter the Dragon first. Then, then, <laughs> then everything else would be set perfectly for you, right? Speaking of kind of people who don't know anything about Bruce Lee, um, the Lee estate signed off on director Ang Lee making a new biopic about Bruce Lee. Now, of course, by the time this episode comes out, this is already a number of weeks old. Um, and uh, of course, again, this is another one of those things that once it comes out, everyone sends it to me on Instagram. Like, yo, did you see this? Like, you can number 800 to send me this <laughs> link, okay? All right. First of all, my entire social media presence shows stuff like this. Like the moment this story comes out, it's on my feed that minute, okay? Uh, and, you know, people send it to me like, it's, it's really kind of sweet, but it's like, you know, I even posted about it and then a couple days later people would be like, oh, did you hear about Ang Lee's going to direct this was like, yo. Um, so the great director Ang Lee, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yep. And, uh, and Hulk. I'm going to let you, I'm going I'm to let that sit with you. All right, that Hulk. <laughs> All right. Uh, he's done other movies, um, but he's, he's going to, now, now of course, obviously Ang Lee is a very capable director. Um but uh a Bruce Lee biopic done by Hollywood we've done this before you know, Dragon the Bruce Lee
0: story the documentary
1: yes um which Dragon the Bruce Lee story, if you take away all of its glaring inaccuracies um was a well produced film oh, okay yeah. like it did well it had a good score but of course Bruce Lee fans are gonna be like, oh my God right but like you know it is what it is now. Unless they're, if they're going to do another kind of puffy bullshit Hollywood kind of film like that, then I, I, we don't need it. But if Ang Lee is going to try to do a more human portrayal of Bruce Lee, and this has always been the problem is that no, no Bruce Lee biopic. I mean, Bruce Lee, my brother was pretty good. It told his kind of early life. I I, I liked it perhaps more than some other people. Um, but for the most part, all Bruce Lee biopics kind of portray him as if he was as if the real life Bruce Lee was kind of basically a version of one of his movie characters yeah as opposed to him being like a real human and and you know to a certain degree there were aspects of his characters that he played in films that were definitely like Bruce Lee but for the most part Bruce Lee was really nothing like you know his character in Big boss or fist of Fury or mm-hmm. way of the dragon right way of the dragon he was a country bumpkin Bruce Lee was super sophisticated. Um, you know, Fist of Fury, he's just like this angry dude, which has aspects of Bruce Lee's character, but it's kind of very one-dimensional. And Big Boss, I mean, you know, he's just some some bumpkin who, you know, everyone gets slaughtered and he has to kill the dude who did it. It's like, yeah. the, there's really not a lot of depth to that character, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and so are they gonna to try to portray him as some kind of human now, uh, or are they going to just continue to perpetuate this kind of legendary status kind of myth that we've seen through all the recent Lee estate documentaries and everything like that. The other thing is obviously Shannon, uh, his daughter signed off on it, which uh, is not a strong sign in my opinion, um, because she is you know, one of the people who really perpetuates um, the myth of her father as opposed to the real person and also, you know. Let's be honest, she was quite young when her father passed away. So Mm -hmm. obviously she would learn about her father through her her mother growing up, you know, as the daughter of Bruce Lee. But to think that she had particular insight into him that other people who knew Bruce Lee very well, who are still alive, to think that Shannon has an insight that some of those people don't have is kind of ridiculous. I mean, they are adults, elderly adults alive today who knew Bruce Lee as an adult. Yes,
0: yes. Absolutely.
1: And uh, these are the people I'm far more interested in hearing from, not not necessarily Shannon's very filtered view of her father, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to address controversies? Most likely not. I mean, uh, think about this. When Matt Polly did his research for um, the uh, Bruce Lee book that he wrote, um, at first uh, he had somewhat tepid or... He had some some kind of cooperation from the Lee estate in terms of them providing him some information until the moment Bad Polly decided to interview Betty Ting Pei for the book. And then suddenly the Lee estate is out. Yeah. And see, the thing is like, first of all, everyone knows who Betty Ting Pei is. To to, to go, oh, he's talking to Betty Ting Pei now. Now the Lee estate cannot endorse this. It's like, well, even according to the official death theory, Betty Ting Pei factors in on that, right? And, uh, but it shows you, all these years later, you talk to Betty, uh, you know, maybe the Lee estate is not going to want to cooperate with you, all right? Mm-hmm. So if they cannot even rec- recognize or acknowledge the existence of the woman in whom Bruce Lee died in her apartment, okay, how honest is this biopic going to be? Yeah. All right. And on top of that, all right, Ang Lee cast his own son. In the title role that's a coincidence yeah, it's a coincidence it right? was it's an open nepotism stop, or anything yeah, stop like being that was right?
0: such a cynic uh-huh. I guarantee he probably looked at another 10 actors yeah I know he, he picked he, the best was, one. Yeah,
1: he picked the best one right 100 yeah, first of all his son Mason looks nothing like Bruce Lee from what I understand I don't think he's a martial artist I believe his they're from Taiwan so does Mason even speak Cantonese I know he maybe he has one or two Hong Kong credits on there, but that doesn't mean he really speaks Cantonese. Is he going to be able to pull off Bruce Lee's accent? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, the only other credit I know that his son has is he was in Hangover Two. He like loses his finger in that in Hangover Two. Oh my or
0: something god! I like see. I, I only ever saw the first one. I never yeah. really bothered seeing um, the other two.
1: So, so I don't really know about that. Now, it's it's interesting because uh, there are a few actors who've tried to play Bruce Lee, and I know just because here in New York. I occasionally meet actors, all Mm -hmm. right? And actors are fascinating. Fascinating in like a, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not part of that world kind of fascinating, but I still want to watch this train wreck. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously I've taught actors, I've trained some actors, and I've met a few from different, from Broadway to movie, whatever, right? And it's interesting when you kind of talk to them and and, and have a conversation and you get a little into their world and you just go, my God, this is so weird.
0: <laughs> like, it's just such a
1: weird thing, right? But like one of the things that I've heard from a, a few of my friends who are in the entertainment industry, especially regarding Bruce Lee, is like when it comes to biopics, whether it's Bruce Lee or Jim Morrison or whatever these people are who, who get portrayed in films, you can either go for... uh almost like an imitation of the actor where yeah. you try to sound like them, you try to look like them, and uh, that way it looks more accurate. So it's almost like you're doing it, you're invoking them as accurately as possible. Yeah. But the problem with doing that is that it can sometimes come off as a caricature. Yes. you know. And then the other school of thought in terms of biopics is you don't really, tra- which is more like what Jason Scott Lee did in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, he didn't really sound like Bruce Lee, didn't really look like Bruce Lee. And so he didn't really try to do it the way Bruce Lee did it. He he played Bruce Lee in the spirit of Bruce Lee, like whatever he felt the, the emotion of Bruce Lee was, he made that hit the way he played the character. And that's another way to do it. Yeah. So the question is, which way are they going to go? the is, is Mason going to actually try to act like Bruce Lee and and talk like Bruce Lee and move like Bruce Lee, or is he just going to invoke a vague spirit of Bruce Lee? Mm-hmm. And either one of those I'm not too excited about. Look at the guy who, who, who played Bruce Lee in Quentin's horrific portrayal in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? He really tried to imitate Bruce Lee, and it just came off as a somewhat... Um, demeaning caricature.
0: Though, he, to be fair, that's he, probably what Quentin Tarantino was for. Sure, going for sure,
1: for sure. I you mean, obviously, I mean? Quentin has his issues with Bruce Lee, even if he, whether he wants to admit it or not. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, wrote that whole thing into the story to kind of kick Bruce Lee down a few pegs because um, that makes Quentin feel better as a man, I suppose. Um, but then also, that actor went for, like, trying to sound like Bruce Lee out of the Pierre Burton interview and it just sounded like... Ugh,
0: Yeah, I mean I mean, again, thought experiments, but it wouldn't you know, like as an actor I I mean I studied theatre and I realized I just couldn't be around actors, which is why Yeah, actors are weird. But I you know, I still have tons of friends in acting as well. And I think like as an actor you get offered a role like that and you can't really you you, it's like you there's part of you like you can't really turn it down. Quentin Tarantino's huge. Yeah, of course, of course. However, bearing in mind just how bad that caricature was. Right. Right. And you, even if he'd done, that like he a, was a great actor and stuff like that, but just the way it was written and for right. what it was, is there going to be a moment, like in the future, where he looks back on that and think, you know what, this actually wasn't nearly as good for my career as I thought yeah. it was. And I kind of feel really bad sure. about how sure. I had to do this because yeah. it's not what I actually Absolutely.
1: Believed. Because, uh, the, you know, that actor, I, I forget his name, the actor who played Bruce Lee in the Quentin film or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, If I see him on anything else, I go, oh, that's a guy who did that shitty portrayal of Bruce Lee. Yeah. And just kind of sours anything else that I would see him in. Mm -hmm. Also, his story, it's interesting because Bruce is really, obviously it's a little different. Like Michelle Yeoh now has gained a lot of prominence from like a bunch of recent films she did where she's kind of the main actor in the film. But for the most part, I mean, Bruce Lee is one of the only Chinese men to really headline a big film and and really have that kind of star status. And since he did it, there's very few like who've been able to sustain any kind of momentum, uh, especially Chinese male actors, right? And the only it seems the only avenue for many Chinese male actors like to to break in is to play Bruce Lee. And, <laughs> yeah, we and, can always get Danny Chan back. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, and it it seems that. Uh, like you mentioned a moment ago, at the end of the day, it's not always a great career choice because think about, okay, let's look at in Hong Kong, the uh, the actors who play Bruce Lee in the wake of, of Bruce Lee's untimely demise in, in the 70s, like yeah. the Bruce L.I., L.E., all like the, the, the clones of Bruce Lee. Yeah. Okay. Um. There are lots of people who like Bruce L.I., Bruce Lai. And they're like, oh, Bruce Lee, the man, the myth is one of the, be- I, I saw it. I, it. Bruce Lee, the man, the myth is a movie with, you know, Bruce L.I., which kind of tells, uh, it's supposed to be a biopic about Bruce Lee. And everyone's like, oh, it's actually the most accurate. And it has accurate beats, but it's, it's, it's a freaking atrocious. It's, <laughs> I, I watch it finally because everyone's like, oh no, you got to watch it. Because I, I made a point never to watch any of those bullshit Bruce Lee clone yeah, films, I've right?
0: Been, been able to do and that.
1: then I watch that and I'm like, everyone talks about how great it is. It's like, Mm, it's better than some, but still, it's a piece of shit on the whole. It's just kind of difficult to watch. Yeah, And um, after that, I mean, that actor really couldn't do anything else because he was just known as a fake Bruce Lee and look at like Dragon Lee, uh, who looked like a combination of a fake Bruce Lee and a fake Jackie Chan. And then you look at like the Malaysian Bruce, L-E-L-A. And like he did a handful of movies and that was it. Um, Kim Tae the Korean actor, pretty much could only play Bruce Lee. Uh, he did that in Game of Death, and he did it in No Retreat, No Surrender, and he couldn't play anything else. Um, Jason Scott Lee, who had a, a budding career before Dragon the Bruce Lee story, he was in uh, Back to the Future 2, I think, um, and uh, you know had started to make a name for himself. Plays Bruce Lee in this huge movie, and then what has he done since?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, he ended up having a pretty decent like. Um Asian movie career though. I've seen him, like he was- Jason Scott Lee? Oh, um, you know what I did, you know what, I'm getting him, com- I, for some reason I was getting confused with something else. The last thing, you know why I thought that? Because the last thing I saw him in was actually in Crouching Tiger. Hidden Dragon, Dragon 2.
1: 2, yeah. Right? But that and, was, for me, the first thing I had seen him in in a dog's age.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. you know what I mean? I was just like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a right. age related decline moment. Yeah. You know and then the you mean? have
1: and then you have Danny Chan, who originally played Bruce Lee, uh, the Bruce Lee like character in Shaolin Soccer as the goalie. Yeah, and then later started to pay, play Bruce Lee in like all the various IP Men movies and, mm-hmm. and some other films as well. And I mean, Danny Chan is older than me. Yeah, all right, I'm 45, <laughs> and he's playing Bruce Lee, who died at 32. Right. Yeah, and at some point, it's like, yo, Danny, you should talk to your agent about maybe I don't know getting some other work all right um so i don't really think it fares that well to actually play bruce lee philip play bruce lee in birth of the dragon and besides doing some hong kong soaps and stuff like that i mean like i don't really think it's i don't really think it's the move i think it's i think if you're a chinese actor i think you need to think about whether you really want to play bruce lee or not
0: the problem is though it's like what else is there i mean like it's come out in the last sort of few years something that you know anyone that's like kind of likes i don't know hong kong cinema or like any kind of like films that outside of like the sphere of america that like hollywood has had a serious yellow washing problem yeah absolutely i mean mean, like because there's tons of stuff like you know it's obviously like if you're just going to just put it under the asian umbrella whether you're going to do stuff like you know that, that involves kaijus like you know like pacific rim for instance or like um what else? Would you say thing? kaiju? Kaiju, yeah. What's that? It's like a big monster, like you know, like Godzilla, like Godzilla stuff. Yeah, that kind oh, of right. stuff. You know, yeah, what I mean? don't, you know that, I, That's
1: a bit of a black hole of my movie knowledge. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, or anything that's like kind of anime related, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? So like, what happened when didn't they didn't
1: they do a live action Ghost in the Shell?
0: Yeah, and who? Guess who they? Scarlett Scarlet Johansson, or Johansson or right? right? Yeah, and yeah. and also you know even like Doctor Strange, like when they they um, the ancient one, the ancient one, right? Was like Tilda Swinton. Right, and like, it's so one of your peeps. Yeah, and like if and you shaved your head you would look like Tilda Swinton. I'm too fat to be Tilda Swinton, but I do have the same kind of class just not the success. <laughs> 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 you know. But yeah, I mean it and but then going back to say Michelle Yeoh, actually what happened I'd say what happened with her is that she got the curse of every woman that stars as a Bond girl. Uh-huh. There's a there's a very real thing that if you star as a Bond girl, regardless of how because initially most Bond girls were like they were like models. Yeah. You know what I mean? There yeah. wasn't anyone big, right? You know what I right. mean? You would very right. rarely see a, a big actress, right? Because right. it was like the curse, like the career yes. killer. Yes, yes. And then, like, when Pierce Brosnan like, got, when he did, like, uh, what was it? Tomorrow Never Dies. Well, Gold and I actually um, had one actress that bucked the trend, and that was Famka Janssen. That's right. But she didn't get big again for another, like, that's right. She didn't do 10 years. for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, when she starred in X-Men, but, right. like, at that point. And the other girl, you Isabella Skorupko, because I remember all this stuff, right? Yeah, I can Smoking tell. Smoking hot. Yeah. You didn't see her again. I didn't see her again until a film with Christian Bale, Bale called Reign of Fire, which was wow. actually really good, but really like, underrated. You're like the Bond girl genius. <laughs> I really am, right? But, you know, yeah, so, like, Michelle Yeoh and... Of all people, Terry Hatcher... That's right. Right? We're in Tomorrow Never Dies. The first time you have, like, Terry Hatcher was, like, a big, a, a bigger actress, right? Yeah, that's right. And after that, done. Like, their career... Michelle Yeoh's Hollywood Nothing until Desperate like Housewives again. No, absolutely. Right. She didn't yeah. get anything until Desperate Housewives, because yeah. it's, like, the career killer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not to say, I think, maybe, if she hadn't done something, done something maybe more, like, just... A different film that wasn't bond wasn't maybe. denise
1: richards a bond girl she played like some like christmas it was supposed to be like a scientist Yeah, she's or a scientist
0: she's a nuclear scientist her first name was christmas and, and, and the last line of the movie was that like, i thought christmas only came once a year <laughs> 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 oh man anyway talking of christmas anyway kind of yeah. went off on there yeah but right, right. The, the point being is that you're absolutely right yeah as I usually am. <laughs> All
1: right. So what's the uh, what's the next question? How would you like to go to Hong Kong with the Kung Fu Genius from August twenty first? 21st- to the 27th, 2023. Experience Hong Kong like no one else. Take the ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu tour with live commentary from yours truly, the Kung Fu Genius. Visit hot tourist spots as well as off-the-beaten-path locations, perfect for Wing Chun and martial art enthusiasts. If you ever wanted to go to Hong Kong to see Wing Chun sites, movie stuff, and of course experience this amazing city, here's your perfect opportunity. Packages include seven days of seeing the sites with me as your guide, and for those who want some training, a Wing Chun seminar with me and with Sivo Mak Chi Kong is part of one of the offers. The packages include the best insider tour of Hong Kong you can possibly get. To reserve your spot, click on the link in the description of this episode for all the information you need and for booking. Spots are running out fast, so get yours today. Once I reach the cap, I will close the registration, so don't wait. Again, click that link in the description to get booked for the 2023 Ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu Tour. And I'll
0: see you in Hong Kong. All right, so. KFG. That's not I'm just addressing you, obviously. Obviously. Um Sifu Adrian Khan. Oh, yes. From Toronto. Oh, he's from Toronto. Yes. It's not like a very Toronto name.
1: Well he's Chinese. Ah. Which actually would make it a very Toronto name. Have you been <laughs> to Toronto? It's mostly Chinese. I have been right. to Toronto. <laughs> actually,
0: their Chinatown is fantastic. I found a couple of really excellent vegan. Yeah, but the
1: real Chinese areas actually outside of the downtown area, like their Chinatown is pretty decent, but like they have they have Chinese areas like Markham and stuff like that, which are just sprawling neighborhoods of nothing but Chinese oh, people. Well, some of the best Hong Kong chefs uh, left Hong Kong and they, they have restaurants yeah. in Toronto. It's some of the best Chinese foods
0: in Toronto. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know because I am going to go back when it's not cold. Yeah. We'll do that next I time. I got to go
1: back to Toronto to see uh, Sifu Lau, one of my old mentors. I haven't seen him in a long time. We're oh, trying to okay. get him on the podcast this week, but he's, He's too busy. Yeah, he's, he's too busy. Yeah, he's us.
0: too busy for us. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? We'll get him. We will get him. Yeah. Even if I have to murder a puppy. That's
1: right. Murder a puppy. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So Sif, Sifu, Adrian Can. Number one, in the present, the learning of the Ving Chun 6.5 pole, uh, uh, 6.5 pole and butterfly swords have no real practical use in the modern world. So what is the purpose of these two weapons? By learning how to use these weapons, can we find alternative replacements that maybe we can pick up and use from the street, e.g., a broom handle or a couple of shortened sticks? Otherwise, I can only see the man. The main benefit is strengthening of your wrists and improving your footwork. By the way, this is a, a double question. So, do you want to answer? Let's this do one, the first question right? first. Yeah.
1: Okay. It cool. depends what we have time for, right? Because uh, well, I, I could know. I could spend a lot of time
0: on this one. Yeah, that we'll yeah, sounds like a good one.
1: Uh, That's a good question. We get it from time to time. I mean, obviously, um, in most traditional martial arts, whether you're talking about Chinese or Okinawan, Japanese, whatever, the question is always of the modern-day utility of the weapons that are taught. This is not just a problem of Chinese Kung Fu or Wing Chun in particular, but um, is the Sai from Okinawan karate a practical weapon? Is the Tonfa a practical weapon? Is uh, the Naginata, is the, you know three-sectional staff is the spear. I mean, you could you could pretty much level the same argument against any traditional martial arts weapon, okay? Anything that is not a firearm, okay? okay? Uh, would really come into question in terms of its practical utility, right? Um, because even if you are using, you're talking about modern-day non-firearms, okay? What are we talking about? modern knives weapon like modern bladed weapons usually all right well are any of those actually practical all right um yes for killing but um are you are you going to carry a machete with you when you are on the subway are you going to carry a huge Bowie knife with you when you go to home depot all right, and then if someone messes with you, pull that thing out and then actually kill them with said bladed weapon, all right? So the thing is like, let's take the Wing Chun knives out of the equation, the utility of these, this very unique and specific set of Chinese weapons. Let's just, just let's talk about a knife, okay? Obviously someone breaks into your house, someone's trying to kill you, you grab a knife to defend yourself, yeah, the utility, all right? Uh, Makes sense, works, it's effective, all right? A knife can also be grabbed and turned against you as well, right? And a lot of people who use knives, even if successfully, end up somehow cutting themselves as well. This is just a fact of knife assaults. So um, is it actually really practical to use any bladed weapon or carry any bladed weapon as a practical self-defense solution? Well, it might make you feel better. Uh, It might make you feel more confident. But uh, there are consequences, to pulling out a knife in modern society as a self-defense tool and slashing or killing someone with said knife, okay? are, you,
0: are you saying murder's illegal?
1: Yes, okay? Um, because even if it was in justifiable self-defense, well, hey, I mean, the guy legitimately attacked me on the subway. Yes, what were you doing with a 20-inch Bowie knife, <laughs> right? Okay, so so there, there are other, it leads to other questions, okay? Um, not to mention the fact that specifically in New York, you cannot carry such bladed weapons anyway, but, Even in other states where you could, I mean, is that really the solution there? Um, To pull out two Wing Chun knives or to pull out a pocket knife or a Bali song or a machete or a Bowie knife or a fish scaling knife, whatever it is, okay? The other day I was walking down 30th uh, Broadway in Astoria and there was a a guy, he looked like he could have been an EDP, an emotionally disturbed person, and uh, he was all clad in all black. And he had two wooden Japanese swords on his belt. Oh snap! Yeah, two like boken, and he was just walking down the street. Wasn't one of your uh,
0: ex students, was it, or like people try to come and sign up? Never know, you never know. (laughs) Uh,
1: So uh, you know, if you see someone with those weapons, those are wooden versions of swords. But you go like, Jesus Christ, like what's 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 this dude's deal, (laughs) right?
0: Um, so yeah, give him a wide berth. I yeah, die. give him a Jesus. wide berth.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near that guy because whatever reason that guy is walking down the street carrying that, whatever whatever constructed reality he's got going on in his head, mm-hmm. you don't know when that's suddenly going to break. All right, and you don't want to be near that, right? The kung fu genius had to defend himself <laughs> against a double Boken attack on Broadway in Astoria, right? So um, I would I would say the, the question of the utility of any weapon it's not just wing chun all right but any non-firearm weapon all right and i'm not saying that firearms are the solution you should carry firearms but i'm just saying in the modern day you know that that's more the weapon that seems to make any sense for people who do carry weapons and i'm not advocating that i'm just saying like uh any bladed weapon is dodgy. You're not gonna carry a blunt weapon, really. You're gonna beat someone with a baton on the street. You're gonna beat someone with two Eskrima or Kali sticks on the street. You're gonna knife someone. Uh, I think you need to look deeper in terms of like any of those type of weapons that are non-firearms, all right? and Again, I'm not discussing the nature of firearms or whatever, but like, let's look at all the non-firearm weapons. How many of these are really practical? How many of these make sense? And how many of these can you really get away with? Pepper spray? Can you pull it out in time? All right. Are you going to carry a telescopic baton and beat someone with a metal rod? Like, I don't know. I mean, look,
0: not going to lie. Telescopic batons are super cool. They are super cool. I would love to have one. Yes. But I I think I might have told you this story outside of the podcast, but... Many, many years ago I lived in one of the more sketchy areas. I actually lived in a number of sketchy areas in London when I lived in London. And one of the places was um down in South London, this place called Penge. Now Penge. Yeah, Penge. There's a lot of weird names in England and that's not one of the weirder ones. You right. know what I mean? You could go to Shitterton, for instance. Shitterton? Yes, that's actually oh real God. lower P over. Wow. Yeah, like um Cockfoster's is a real place. <laughs> I actually went to college in (laughs) cockfosters wow Um, yeah so like you know so penge in the big scheme of things actually isn't that weird really um but um in my younger years and you know i smoked a lot of weed and stuff like that and this particular night my normal dealer this was a bit of an exciting night my normal dealer um was out so we had to go around to this other sketchier guy right Uh and like like 16 years old me and this this girl kelly and my friend adam and and he was like, Adam's like, oh, I'm to go in and do that. Which means he wants to go and smoke some free weed. While we have to wait outside in very sketchy penge for like right. half an hour. Right. As we're walking past, there's a sketchy guy underneath. Everything's sketchy. Underneath one of the buildings, just around where all the garbage cans are. And then half an hour on the way back, there's like plumes of smoke coming out where he uh-huh. is. So he'd set fire to the building. Uh-huh. And then luckily the, um, what's his name? The, 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 the fire truck came around. Anyway. Skip to that part. As we're walking back past this, there's this really, really tall, white, skin guy and this really super natty-looking black guy. Mm-hmm. Like, all to this, like... Little Did you say natty-looking? Loft. Yeah. What is natty-looking? Very cool. Like, I mean, he's just, like, wearing, like... <sighs> I mean, he's looking pimping. You know oh, okay. what I mean? Like, because here, guess- when
1: we say natty... That's usually in reference to whether the guy takes steroids or not. If, if, oh, really? If, if, if someone doesn't take steroids, they're natural. They're called natty. Oh, he's totally natty. He's not enhanced. I have. So we say natty. I'm thinking like, which well, is someone with an unimpressive physique.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing! Wow, yes. that's my second uh, knowledge yes. bomb of the day. There Fantastic! Yeah. So anyway, right. Um, they're like and they're walking towards like the corner, this pub, which is basically every night there's like eight Ford Fiestas around there. And if you wanna go and get drugs of any kind, you can just walk up and walk into one of the, the cars, right? Ford Fiesta's yeah, the drug dealer
1: car of choice. Big, big time. time. Wow.
0: Big time, man, wow. you know. And um there's three of us just walking down the street and you know, and it's like all of a sudden like black guy starts running and just turns around to the other, like the the tall skinhead white guy and just like, you coming then. And he's like, yeah, I'll be there in a second. And as he turns around, this huge kitchen knife falls out of his jacket. Right. And the natty guy. Yeah. right? It's like this big, you know what I mean? And we were like, okay, we're going to walk across the other side of the street because there is no way in the world that he isn't running down to this pub and someone isn't going to get shanked. Uh-huh. You know what I mean, right? And so, this kind of gives me this idea that, like, if you're taking that stuff out, you cannot claim that you're taking it out for self-defense, right. regardless of how many, right. because because you you, you kind of want to stick someone with it. Sure, you like yeah. it's not like a, a quick pocket knife, or you're just trying to grab something to save yourself. and stuff right. Like that. Right, 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 You have to literally get this out yeah. and go. I yes. s- have defending intentions. myself. Yes, from you with this I am going big to use blade. This. Yes, right, right. Please don't make me use it. Please right. make me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <I> exactly. <mean>, right. <laughs> I want to feel what it's like to stab someone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. Anyway, so that just kind of was. It
1: yeah. But yeah, no, no, you, you're right. So I think that the, the problem is that this is a general question of all these kind of weapons. Right. Long pole, especially. I mean, just it's bulk and heft. It makes it an untenable thing to carry around. Why
0: don't you carry one in the coat, <laughs> just like
1: yeah, it'd be kind of funny. Although um Sivu, one of my good friends from Hong Kong, a hungar, Sifu par excellence, he actually has a. Um, it's funny he's got like a bunch of weapons that like when he would teach in the he would teach in like different parks in Hong Kong before he had his place, um, and so he brought like a, almost like this this like shopping cart full of like weapons and stuff. And he would like bring it and then they'd pull it out. And then he would like train all the different weapons and stuff. And he had in his like shopping cart of weapons, a telescopic long pole. <gasps> yeah. So it was about, I mean, obviously for people listening to us on audio that, you know, it's not going to be helpful, but it's, it's just about this big. All yeah. right? And then you can extend it out. And it was like a proper
0: eight foot long pole. That's amazing. And then you could practice with it and then t- Put it back in and put it away. I was I mean, like, well, that's kind of cool. You maybe get like a bag. Like when we used to play snooker, like, and you have a cue, you could get like poor cues. Or snooker? snooker cues. Yeah, snookers. Okay, much cooler than poor. But um, like, um, you know. Isn't the- it snooker? No, that's the uh, wrestler, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Snooker.
1: Didn't he like kill his
0: wife or something like that, or girlfriend or something like that? No, that was um, uh,
1: Chris the Rabid Wolverine. No, no, no. I think the sn- oh, did, Snooker did, did, also, s- they found out many, many years later. But he, he eventually died, but they, I think they found out many years later that he, in fact, did kill like a girlfriend of his.
0: Or oh, ooh, like. okay. Yeah, you don't. No, I think so. I mean, I, I don't
1: really I don't know that much about
0: like wrestling people or whatever, but I remember reading that story. Yeah, I'm going to have yeah. to look into that one. and yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, but when you like, that's how we would to carry our pork users that they would actually use yes. screwed them. Yes half, yes. You know what yes. I mean? So Maybe you just but like. you imagine
1: being on the New York subway and like some dude just gets in your face and you pull that thing out and you go, and then you have this eight foot long pole.
0: <laughs> You're like,
1: okay, all right, come on, man, I'm ready for you. Perfect weapon for the uh, subway because you, you can block you know the narrow alley. If you did right? like
0: a futuristic one. So like you cr- cr- cranked it out, like but it's like in the future. And instead it just like Transformer stars just go, chicken, 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 Or.
1: It was a lightsaber, <gasps> right? But like at that, at that length, right? And you have just the handle part, the <laughs> wow, just cutting columns out of the subway station. <laughs> be totally badass. Oh, right? that
0: would be so cool.
1: Yeah. So I think that um, on the whole, all right. Mm-hmm. So to kind of come back to this question here, right? Um, uh, yeah. Sifu Khan r- 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 deserves an honest answer, not a bunch of excerpts about drug dealers and Ford Fiestas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you have to call the quote-unquote utility of any non-firearm weapon into, uh, into question, okay? So why practice any of it, all right? Cause it's fun, all right? Cause it's interesting, it's part of the culture or whatever. The idea is to learn, I mean, why for that matter practice fencing, all right? Well, it's a sport. But like by itself, are you going to are you going to be fighting with an epe on the street or a saber? No. But it's a really cool martial art to learn. Fencing is one of the things. If I had a little bit more time, I would do it on the side. I just find it's really fascinating. Um, you do it because you like it and because it's interesting. For me, I what I like about the knives is uh, I don't reduce the utility of the knives to strengthening your wrists and your forearms and stuff like that. Yeah, that's part of it. But for me. Um, you, you learn with the use of the Wing Chun Batam Do, how to fight against different types of weapons, right? Um, at least in the WT system, we have eight sets. They teach you to fight against different types of weapons, different types of angles of attack. And the reason why I find that interesting is because even though you're not going to find yourself in a position where you have two Batam Do and the other guy has a spear or a broadsword or a chain whip or something like that, but it's really cool. Like what I find fascinating is how did our ancestors or forefathers or people who use these weapons solve the riddle of violence of using these knives against that type of weapon. And I find that that thought experiment of like, okay, how would you use these two short knives against someone who say had a spear? Well, you need to have really good footwork because you cannot just stand there and block the spear. You have to cover that gap and cut his hands and cut him. So how do you bridge the gap with two short weapons against someone who has a long or medium weapon, right? That is a question of problem solving. And I find that when you force yourself to solve these problems, whether you're practicing your applications, you're doing them in sparring, you're doing them in live training, This forces you to flex your problem-solving brain as a martial artist. And so those skills in terms of using how to use these weapons against other type of weapons, it might be a thought experiment in that you're probably never going to really be in that situation. But these are things that, that enhance your martial art abilities, timing, distance, your understanding of how different things in the world of violence works. All right? When you have someone in front of you who's got two boxing gloves on and they're menacing with jabs and then you have to deal with, okay, how do I close the gap? How do I deal with this guy? Um, It's different than if you have a weapon in your hand and someone's menacing you with weapons. It's like a totally different feel. Like, oh, geez, this is way more serious. And then, so how do you solve that problem? And by learning, quote unquote, traditional weapons, you are kind of flexing your problem-solving muscles in terms of, like, how to deal with this thing. And that kind of knowledge spills over into your entire collective martial arts understanding. And so I think that that's why, um, you know, although I'm not a huge fan of what people call Jeet Kune Do concepts, but I also think that the Jeet Kune do concepts guys do have something there in that they practice fist fighting. Let's say they're Junfan Fan kung Fu, but they also do some stuff with the Screamer sticks and weapons and things like that. And all of these just kind of help to add to your broad understanding of timing, distance, awareness, and uh, if you want to get really good at not fixating on limbs, which is a big problem in martial arts, you know, you're worried about the guy kicking you, so you're looking at his legs. You're worried about the guy's right hand, so you're always looking at the right hand, so then you don't see the left hook coming. Um, if you want to get good at getting less fixated on those things, weapons training is actually really good because weapons training, you need to see the whole picture and you don't want to become like hyper fixated on one thing. Yeah. Uh, so, I find the utility of weapons training kind of is very broad to your understanding of martial arts in general, way beyond just strengthening your wrists and forearms and stuff like this. Sparring with the Wing Chun long pole, long pole versus long pole, whether you're doing Chi Guan or lut Guan, where you're going back and forth, this is a masterclass on efficiency and angles. All right, because if you imagine doing uh, Wing Chun long pole, it's it's like doing single arm qi Sao. Or it's like doing Wing Chun with one nine foot long arm. And you have all the same shapes, bong, tan, folk, jut, all these kind of things, low level sweeps, high level stuff. And so when, when you're you know, practicing with someone else and you're going back and forth, you have a big unwieldy weapon. So you have to learn how to use your body to become more efficient and not just use your arms. You have to learn how to generate power through the rear arm, not the front arm. A lot of long pole amateurs are kind of front hand driven. You want to be rear hand driven so you get that whip. And then you have to learn how to stay behind your weapon to shield yourself, the same way you would stay behind your arms if you're fist fighting, right? So this kind of knowledge makes you understand martial arts so much better. And I think that is a huge developmental piece for Wing Chun people that goes beyond the utility of how you're going to use it. I mean, if you're really worried about practical weapons fighting, you just get a gun, all right? Even Bruce Lee <laughs> tried to solve, solve this problem, right? And in Bruce Lee's films, Bruce Lee, always understood the problem of gun. And so, um, you know, Big Boss, it wasn't really his movie, he couldn't deal with it too much, Fist of Fury, topic of guns wasn't really there because it was very martial arts versus martial arts but in his own first movie uh way the dragon the first movie that he directed and wrote he was like if it's in a modern day you gotta deal with guns so he came with a simple solution he's gonna have these darts and he's gonna throw the darts at people before they pull their guns right and then in enter the dragon he's like well in the modern day kind of james bond-esque kind of story how do you deal with it and They deal with it with a throwaway line right at the beginning, you know, when he goes to Mr. Braithwaite, guns. Now, why doesn't someone just take a forty-five and bang, settle it, right? Why is it just someone kill Han? And he's like, nope, no guns. Han had a bad accident with them or a bad experience with them once, and he doesn't allow guns on the island. Okay, now, (laughs) convenient, right? And then you see, you know, Han's missing a hand, so presumably he had his hand shot off or something like that, right? But they solved it there, right, because that is a problem. Any of these weapons are kind of ridiculous in the age of you know, uh, guns and whatnot. So uh, so anyway, man, we are just about out of time. I think yeah. we're going to have to get to Sifu Khan's next question cool. uh, probably in the next episode. Excellent. So yeah,
0: no worries. Gonna... Well, I've got I got one more short one for you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, let me just uh, scroll through here. All right. Yeah, so um, this one's from uh, Dryson Jesus Christ. Apparently this guy cannot just let it go. Did, 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 did Dre pick the questions before we fired him? Um or I mean before the incident. I mean
1: How did would the Dre'son be-
0: question get in there? Did you actually pick that? No, I'm, I'm, why are you looking at me? Look, I don't look. I would be surprised if Dre did it because you know he was traditionally not that organized. Right. But you know. Why is it that everyone who sits in that chair? whenever they're pressed on this
1: suddenly becomes uh, uh, a moment ago, you spoke very eloquently about drugs and Ford Fiestas. And now suddenly you're uh, 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 uh. maybe it's a drug flashback from the Ford Fiestas. I don't know. I just, I,
0: I, I can't give you a a straight answer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway. So, um, he says, um, Sifu Alex and, um, Congratulations, Mikey, for uh, you know your promotion, which is- Oh my God, you looking back and forth at it, it's exactly the way Dre did it. What is going on? <laughs> just It's right here. It's right here. What if you were to look over here, you'd see on? that. Like, he's like, Nasifu. Right. Okay, spit it out, let's he's go. He's like, kind of disappointed that I was not on the short list to replace when I heard about the incident. I feel like we should let Mikey give it a go, but- I just want to throw it out there that that if you need like another co-host, I'm I'm here for you. This is infuriating. And <laughs> just so like you know, you know where to find me. We don't know where to find him. Yeah, we don't know where to find him. Well, he seems to think this is even a freaking he, question. No, he's actually just uh, this is just a job application. Unbelievable! I can't believe you wasted
1: my time and the audience's time with that nonsense.
0: Just, it just came up, and by the way, how did he know? Yeah, no, we didn't
1: even, like, this is literally the first time we're making the announcement about that we, Dre, well, it's not that we got rid of him. It was pretty obvious he had to get rid of himself after what happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you shouldn't really let your proclivities out like
1: that. Yeah, anyway, I hope people are happy with you being the new replacement.
0: And that's all I'm going
1: to say about that. Alright, everyone, well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to The Kung Fu Genius, like this episode, hit that bell for notifications, and if you have any questions you want me to answer in a future episode, go ahead and write them in the comments below. And I'll see you guys next time.
0: For me, not lineage Forget Jet Li, Cause I'm the one Many call me Seafood But to you, I'm Seegung And I produce masters You surpassed us Your Kung Fu Stiffer than corpse and casket City Wing Chung Is the house I built Violate the gate in blow... All right, Pete. No, see, so I'm looking <laughs> Lots of telescopic long poles. I want to do it again Because you hit the mic Yeah, not only did I hit the mic I am keep trying to I, I'm, It's set the wrong way For me to look at it Seriously been there.
1: So half of your video is going to be one way, the other half is going to be the other? Um, and now he's going to have to re-edit that?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh man, make, he's going to have to cut the video and flip it. Damn it. I, yeah, I, just make sure you're looking at the correct part of the screen. Well, that's the
0: thing. It's just because it's, I'm looking on the left, not the right. That's what's freaking me out.
1: Yeah, it seems like a personal issue.
0: There we go. Let's move it here. You <laughs> 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 mm <clears throat> <clears throat>